game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Nurse will try it down the left-hand side, heading for the net, sharp angle shot, and score! Darnell Nurse wow. snuck it through Yaroslav Alok with six seconds to go in the period! A surprising goal late in the second period this afternoon. Turns out to be pivotal in a 4-1 Oilers win over the Boston Bruins. Darnell Nurse sneaking one by Yaroslav Halak. At the other end, Mike Smith, excellent for the Oilers. We haven't seen that version of Smith for a while, but he was the best player today, especially in the third period when he made 21 stops. 4-1, the Oilers take it. Just the second team all season to win in regulation time in Boston. The Colorado Avalanche were the others. So the Oilers improved to 22-17-5 on the season. Their goal scorers today besides Nurse, Gaetan Haas got his fourth. McDavid scored, busting in alone early in the third. And an empty netter. My goodness. Two in the last three games for the Oilers. They have only three empty net goals all season. Dreisaitl got this one. He has two of the three into the vacated cage. Kyler Yamamoto has the other, and it was another good game by Yamamoto. Didn't get a point today, but he was plus two and uh, played almost 17 minutes and was pretty solid. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon, 2 o'clock, along with former NHLer Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, and the Oilers walk into Boston and get a win, and... Rob, I, I said to you about halfway through the second period that Yaroslav Halak maybe was the best Bruin in the game. And and he made some good saves, but it's the nurse goal we played that bites him and bites his team today. You're right. Uh, you wonder if the goal that Jake DeBrusque threw away rattled Halak a little bit because Halak was, was, was very, very good and making big saves. As the Edmonton Oilers, through the four, first 40 minutes, were the better team. They were creating more chances, getting more grade-A scoring looks. Uh, and then all of a sudden, in a game that Boston, even though Edmonton was getting looks, Boston is playing the type of game they want. They got a close, low-scoring game. They have the lead. They can roll the lines. And Jake DeBrusque, in a, a very innocent play, tries to make a cross-ice pass where they have complete control of the puck, no pressure on them. Puck bounces, he gives it away to Haas, and Haas goes in and scores. So all of a sudden, Halak, who's been incredible all game long, now gives up this goal, and he's probably a little frustrated. And then at the end of the period, Darnell Nurse carries the puck. I mean, he started back in his own zone, carries the puck down, no play, just throws it on net. And Halak completely whiffs on it. And, And when I say completely whiffs on it, he didn't touch the puck. I mean, that was a horrible angled shot that Darnell Nurse is just, it's kind of a hope play, but there's no time in the period. Just throw it on net because something may happen, and it did. But that went through Halak without hitting Halak. And going into the third period, now all of a sudden the Boston Bruins are one mistake away from falling out of the game, and they eventually made that mistake to Connor McDavid. So Halak was very good. Uh, a mistake by DeBrusque and a mistake by Halak really set the tone for a big third period for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, and McDavid scored a minute 48 into the third, so really, in terms of game time, it was two goals in a minute 55 seconds for the Oilers to really take control. Now, Boston did everything that 
they should be doing in the third period, firing every on net, every puck on net, had a lot of good scoring chances, 21 shots, uh, the final damage. So, I mean, hey, did the Oilers close it out as well as they would have liked? Probably not, but they had the lead, and they had a two-goal lead, which was big. And, and Mike Smith, this was an excellent game by Smith, and he played also very well in Buffalo two days ago and maybe going to make a lot of Oilers fans breathe a little easier because since about the middle of November... Uh, a lot of times when Smith was named as the starter, you got a lot of, uh-oh, oh no. Oh, and, and even today, because Koskinen was supposed to play. Mm-hmm. That was the indication we got from Dave Tippett after practice yesterday. Koskinen was sick, didn't play against Buffalo, should be good today. And then a couple hours before today's game, no, it's going to be Mike Smith again. And, and I saw all the nerves. But if, if Smith gives you this type of goaltending, or even the goaltending he gave you on Thursday, then you got a good tandem again, which was so baked in the Oilers' hot start. Well, he, he, I think Mike Smith realized going into the Buffalo game that if he wanted to get the net more than once every six or seven games, he's going to have to earn it. And sometimes for, for you know forwards or defensemen who are uh, not getting the ice time or sitting in the stands, they have to wait for an opportunity. And when they get that opportunity, they got to take advantage of it. Well, Mike Smith's opportunity became because of illness to Koskinen in Buffalo. He came in and played very, very good. Mike Smith gets a second opportunity because they weren't quite sure on Koskinen yet. And this is probably, it might be Smith's second best outing of the year for the Edmonton Oilers. The Pittsburgh one, yeah, obviously, <laughs> was his best outing of the year. But this will probably be the second best. And the thing that you got out of Mike Smith today that you haven't got a lot, and Mike Smith even admitted, Mike Smith said when he was through his struggles, when he had like 16 goals in in three games, he said, I'm not letting bad goals in, but I'm not making the grade A stops. Well, tonight, he made the grade A stops. Every time the Oilers needed a big save tonight, he made it. And that, that to me, is going to get him uh, confidence from the coaching staff, confidence from his teammates. And now you're not as reluctant to play him as the Oilers have been for a while. Had Koskinen not been sick, I mean, Smith wouldn't have played either of these games. Yeah, and likely, might not yeah. have, and may not have played on this road trip, to be honest. But now Smith has got the opportunity, he's taken advantage of it, and now probably will find himself back in the rotation a little bit more. Smith, 35 saves today, 21 of them in the third period. The Oilers beat Boston 4-1. That means a $100 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. Courtesy Ascendant Financial, when the name of the game is life, there's Ascendant Financial. Visit CoveredAlberta.ca. They give 25 bucks for every Oilers goal going to 630 Chad. Santa's Anonymous. The three stars today, Mike Smith, an obvious first star. These were picked uh, in arena by 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston. Mike Smith, the first star, Connor McDavid. The second star, Darnell Nurse. The third star, I think we got a few candidates for fourth star today, courtesy White Eagle Homes, built from the homeowner's perspective with thousands of personalization options. Visit whiteeaglehomes.ca. Uh, I mean, Drysaddle gets a couple of points. He and McDavid are tied for the scoring lead. And i got to say, in terms of finding a way to impact the game, even if you don't get a point, Kyler Yamamoto looked good again. Hey, he did. Uh, he's complimented uh, Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle very well on the second line. And, and, and you said it before the game, and... Uh, I'll echo it right now. The the Oilers' second line has outplayed the Oilers' first line the last couple of games, and Yamamoto's a big part of that. To me, I thought this was a, a huge, huge game for Leon Dreisettle again. You know, Leon, who's who's taken some heat lately, came out and admitted that his game has not been where it's needed to be, going up against uh, a Boston Bruin team that is as good as any team in the National Hockey League, and Leon was good. He had two two points. He played three minutes more 
than Connor McDavid in this game tonight. He was plus two, back-to-back games now that he's been plus, and he was 17-8 and eight in the face-off dot. And a lot of times when you're looking at a, a star player, you, and he's a centerman, see how he does in the face-offs. Because usually when he has a good night on the, on the draw, that means his focus and his game is there. And tonight, Leon's was, and you could see the determination on well, that open net goal. He was putting that, and he wanted, yep. like, he knows... He knows where his game has been as of late, and he wants to correct it and start being a much bigger impact player like he was for most of the season. Tonight, he was a better impact player. Well, and he, and he took a penalty that he, he probably wouldn't like early. I know he's trying to be aggressive, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that was an elbow by No, by it was Kirk, an elbow. And it led to Boston's only goal of the game. Yeah, and, and well, I mean, the one thing you did want to do is give the Bruins power play opportunities because they have a good power play. And Pasternak, I mean, I know that Bob said that the, the, the Bruins' top players weren't as good. Well, I don't know if Marshawn and Bergeron were as good as they usually are, but I thought Pasternak, you noticed him every time he stepped on the ice. He scored the one goal, and Smith robbed him a couple other times. Uh, he's dangerous. But uh, the Oilers were very good because the Boston Bruins are a top-heavy team like the Oilers are, and they didn't allow that first line to beat them. And then the rest of the lines the Oilers were able to compete against because they don't... And you and I talked about it. There was nobody that really scares you on the Bruins' second, third, and fourth lines. They're, they work hard. They, they keep play going, but they don't scare you. And the Oilers kept the first line, the Bergeron line, in, in, in check today and didn't allow them to win the hockey game. And at the end of the night, they only gave up one goal to those guys and their top players outscored them. The Bruins go 1-for-3 on the power play. Oilers were 0-for-2, so the percentage won't be good for the Oilers. They'll drop a little bit overall for the season. The The power play goal by Pasternak, 3-10 into the game, but then they, they killed off another penalty later on in the first period, so it was only one nothing Boston after one. And then McDavid scores early in the third, so a two-goal lead. You know, Ethan Bear did take a penalty 4-0-2. He got his stick up. There was mm-hmm. some pushing and shoving after the whistle in front of in front of Mike Smith. And and to me, that was that's a really big kill because if Boston gets back to within one before the first TV timeout, then they're like, okay, you know, Connor mm-hmm. got us, but now we're right back within one. We got 14, 15 minutes to go. And and, and again, I thought it. I, I want to follow up on this because we never got to it last game, but you commented. Shane killing against Buffalo. He just seems to have that sense. He knows when to go. Like he knows when to go at a guy, so it's not risky. Like he's applying pressure. He's not moving out of position. Uh, well, we used to have a thing when I played eye hole or eyeballs and, and backs. If you see the guy's eyeballs, you, you don't attack. If you see his back, you attack. And Shane reads it very well. Uh, he 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 kind of directs the puck so he puts himself in a stick in a position that he's directing the puck to where he wants it to go so if the guy's up top he wants it to go to the guy on the boards and then he follows it quickly and attacks that guy you see oh it's going on his back and I'm going to attack it you rarely see when he's attacking a forward that that guy gets the puck past him to someone else it's almost like he surprises that player and he pins the guy and all of a sudden the guy's got nothing and throws it blindly and the Oilers outnumbered the, the, the opposition and get the puck down. But there, Todd McCullen used to talk about there's about five or six plays in every game that are key moments. Tonight, to me, the key moments were the goal by Nurse at the end of the second period. Now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the Oilers are one Bruin mistake away from taking full advantage of the game. Second big play was the McDavid breakaway. That was the mistake that was made. They, the Boston Bruins allowed the NHL's best offensive player a breakaway early in the third, and then the third big moment was the penalty kill, as you just talked about. If the Bruins, again, score and make it 3-2, 
the Edmonton Oilers will tighten up because they've seen this story too many times. And the Boston Bruins will get a little confidence. Well, hey, we can come back against it. We're only down a goal now. But they had a big kill, uh, got some big saves, and got a huge two points. And now all of a sudden on a road trip that everyone thought had gone sideways in Buffalo, now they got three out of four points on this road trip. And they're feeling pretty good about themselves going into Toronto. 4-1, the Oilers take it over the Bruins this afternoon. You can get a hold of us by calling or texting. Same number for both, 780-496-0063. Penalty killing as well. Boston's excellent, 85.5% coming into today, second in the league. So they'll creep up a point three or four. And I, I noticed, too, on their kill, there was a point, and this is what you said about knowing what's happening on the play, not just thinking, well, this is my spot and this is what I st- where I stand. Dreisaitl got the puck along the boards, and the Oilers didn't have anybody over on that side yet for him to make a, a high percentage pass to. So both Boston killers, the winger and the defenseman, just charged at him because in that situation, they recognized he had nowhere to go with the puck, whereas in another situation, that would be foolish to try to double-team a guy. Well, when when people or when coaching staffs put together who they want as their penalty killers, everyone says, okay, you just want fast guys. I know that I've read an article here uh, last year that they Milan Lucic should be a penalty killer. And I'm, I'm reading these, like, no, 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 no. You, penalty killers have to be guys that are uh, very intelligent, can read plays. It's not all just about having the fastest guy out there. Uh, it's not just about blocking shots. It's about reading plays, knowing where the puck should go. So when a puck goes to Leon, if it comes from one spot, okay, the natural tendency for Leon is to go here. So now, as you're coming in to attack Leon, you're taking that passing lane, lane away, and you're attacking him. So now... He's, he's forced to throw it into a bad area. He's forced to make a different decision. We see that Cheyenne is very good at Archibald is very good. On the converse side, the Boston Bruins' top two penalty killers are Bergeron and Marchand. Like right. people here in Edmonton for years, don't put McDavid or don't put Drysdale out on the po- penalty kill. We can't afford to have your best players doing it. The Bruins do. And their penalty killing is always near the top in the league. And Bergeron is a Selkie finalist or winner every year because of what he can do penalty killing. But Bergeron and Marchand are smart hockey players. They know when to attack. They know when to back off. They know where to put the sticks in the passing lanes. So the Oilers were hard-pressed tonight to find openings against the Bruins because the Bruins don't give you a whole lot. Uh, But they didn't need their power play tonight. Five on five, the Oilers were a lot better than they have been as of late and got some big goals from uh, some unlikely sources, uh, like a, a gay Tom Austin Haas. Nurse, yeah. yeah. Uh, 4-1, the Oilers win it. A- again, good good road record, 12-9-2 and away from home. They'll be in Toronto on Monday. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, just missed it, needed another empty netter or another bounce along the way. But if the Oilers get five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com that allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, AAA State, succulent seafood cooked at your table celebrate your senses at Japanese Village. Alright, Dexter texting 780-496-0063 he says, hey guys good win for the Oilers, there's a lot of talk about the makeup of the top two lines but I want to comment on the fourth line I think Kara, Shea and Archibald have been the Oilers' best fourth line all season long and I think Kara plays a smarter game when he's with those two guys. That's from Dexter. Well, I think Kara is better in that position than anywhere up in the lineup. I think that uh, his strength is when he plays with straight lines and gets pucks in deeps, go, goes goes to the net. I think sometimes when he plays higher in the lineup, he tries to do too much, and that gets himself into trouble. Uh, I mean, I'm also a fan of having Patrick Russell there with Shane and Archibald as well. I thought that's earlier in the year, that was when that line was playing its best. 
Um, again, I I am a fan of when Drysaddle and McDavid play together. But if you're going to separate them, you've got to leave McDavid by himself. You leave him with, well, right now, Cassing and Neil, and then you've got to put Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle together. They finally found someone that can complement him, uh, those two guys, w- with Yamamoto. So the others, uh, depth, and it's funny, with just with the addition of a kid from the minors, has just gotten that much better. Just a little, because now someone moves down, like a Nygaard, moves down the depth chart a bit, and he's more comfortable playing a little bit lower because he doesn't have the... Uh, the offensive pedigree and hasn't proven it at this level yet. So uh, the Oilers, it, it, it was, it, it, they look good tonight, rolling four lines, and they were able to do that because they got the lead partway through the game. Well, and but, but again, back to Yamamoto, to me it's not just the offense. No, it, well, it's for sure that, it's that he, he is, I mean, he's a small guy, but he is a, a presence on the ice. And, and that's the thing. It's easy to say, well, he's too small. you you got to see him play. And we're, we got to continue to mm-hmm. see him play because it's, it's, a, it's a long season and opponents are going to get tape on him and nobody does. But he was he was dogged on the forecheck. I mean, he, he didn't back down against... Second in the team Shara. in hits. Second in the team in hits tonight. Yeah, and I mean, he, he's, he's a... He's a pest. Over a foot shorter than Chara. Yeah. Like he got in there against him. He probably should have drawn an interference penalty in the mm-hmm. third period. He got body checked when he didn't even have the puck, and he went in there against two Bruins four-checkers. So that's the key for me. He, he does. He's not just one of those guys, well, oh, he, he had a two-goal game, and then you don't notice him for the next five games. Like well, he's, he makes an impact. Even when he was up before the last couple of years, when he played, he did all the little things right. The, just the puck wasn't going for him. He, he just he had no puck luck at all. And I think he lost a little bit of confidence then because the expectation was so high for him to be a top six player and, and produce offensively. Uh, he, he's more mature now. A couple of years in the minors has given him a maturity, a professionalism that he knows now that he's not being relied on to be the goal scorer. You know, you're, gonna, you're playing the top two lines. Something eventually is going to have to go in for you. But if you can keep pucks alive and you can allow your two line mates, and right now it's Nuge and, and Leon to do what they do best, they're going to keep playing. And the, the biggest thing, and it's, it's, again, like Mike Smith gets his opportunity because Koskinen was ill. Yamamoto got his opportunity because all before him failed. And not only failed offensively, but failed defensively. I mean, the second line, uh, Leon was minus 30 over 21-game stretch or something like that. And they weren't all on him. But they weren't getting the job done defensively. And in the last two of the last three games, the Oilers, when holding on to a lead late in the game, Yamamoto's been on the ice. I mean, this is a guy from the minors. It wasn't good enough to make the team, but the players that were out before him weren't getting it done defensively. We saw Gagne get benched the last time he played and hasn't played since. Yamamoto's out there with the, the goalie pulled because he makes smart plays. He is a smart hockey player. Just hope that he continues to progress. But right now, after three games, uh, everything is, is looking positive for the, the recall of, of Kyler. Uh, I, again, just for a couple people asking on the text line, uh, Miko Koskinen under the weather again, so that they, they went with Mike Smith, with, which turned out to be fine. He's the first star of the game with 35 saves. So next game, <laughs> assuming Koskinen... I, I mean, if it were me and both goalies are healthy, I would say Koskinen. Because, you know, it was a 2-2 mm-hmm. rotation earlier in the year. And I think you say, okay, you know what? You've been carrying the load. You were a little sick. We feel great about Smith, but you go back in now. If, if Koskinen is fully healthy and rested and back to 100%, then yes, he's the guy that goes in simply because the, the perfect storm for the Oilers this year was two on, two off. That's what they wanted to do all year, and it worked the start of the season. 
until Mike Smith started to struggle. And then all of a sudden, his start started to fade away. But now he's given them two solid starts. Now you go back to Koskinen. And the Oilers have the... Uh, the benefit of a good schedule that they actually can make a choice. It's not going to be handed to them because they right. got four and five or or two at it back-to-back games, so they can decide. But yeah, I agree. As, as well as Mike Smith has played these last couple of games, you go with Koskinen, and then you start getting to the position where you can, if you play really good, we'll keep you in. If it's in, we'll pull you out. Or uh, based on which teams you're playing, maybe there's a team that suits Smith better or suits Costco better. Uh, you look at Smith's pass and where he had well, strengths against. Today it didn't. He was <laughs> four and thirteen against Boston. But this wasn't based okay. on that. This, this is your law of averages point, Rob. <laughs> Eventually you're going to beat. Eventually somebody. you're going to win. But it was a good night by Smith. But yes, I agree with you. I think Koskinen will play against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Yakushev says, "Why didn't Yamamoto start the season or get brought up sooner?" Fair question. I, I think they they wanted him down there at the start of year. I mean, he didn't. He didn't knock it out of the park nope. in, in training camp. And I think that, you know, they started the season well, mm-hmm. so there was no reason to do too much tinkering with the lineup. I mean, I mean that's a fair question. I think that, you know, even Dave Tippett said he watched a lot of Yamamoto's games. That's why he was comfortable having him out, protecting a one-goal lead in a near disaster against the New York Rangers. I, I mean, it might be a little cliche to say I think they just felt the time was right but I think given what they saw from him and like you said Rob what they weren't seeing from other players they said okay it, it's it's time to pull the trigger but I just think they wanted to make sure okay this is I don't want to say our, the only remaining option but where it's like okay mm-hmm. we've tr- we've tried to trust the guys that are veterans yep. and they're not scoring and they're not checking well enough so now we'll do it well and they sent him down to earn his spot I think in the past players have been brought up and playing on the others roster not because they've earned it because they had no choice and they've given young players opportunities and the young players weren't ready for it and their confidence waned I mean Pugliarvi's a great example Yamamoto uh, last year wasn't ready uh, they had and they had good preseasons. Yemo had a, a fantastic preseason last year, and then it didn't translate at all. This year in the preseason, he was just eh, okay. So it's like, all right, let's let him go to the minors and learn to con- or continue to learn, continue to get better. And, and he did. And when he came up, he was ready. And I can tell you, there's a difference of starting the year and all you've played is a couple exhibition games and going into NHL regular season games. Yeah. Because you're just okay. It's what you weren't going at full speed. No, no preseason game is at full speed. It isn't. But if you're down in the minors and now you're 30 games into the season, you're at full speed. Yamamoto's playing big minutes down there. He's playing in all situations. He's got. He's full of confidence. So when he comes up, it's much easier for him to transition into a game now than it would have been game one of the season. And the pressure wasn't there when he came up now. This because he's filling in for someone else that's failed. So I, I think this was the right move for him, and it looks like the right move simply because he's played so well in the first three games. Oilers win it uh, 4-1. This texture uh, says with the two players who were uh, put on waivers and sent down, Granlin and Manning, mm-hmm. uh, do they still pay the full amount of their contracts? Yes, they still get paid their full amount, but only about a million. It's a percentage every year counts against the cap. So you yeah. don't want to send... So like somebody who's texting, send Kara down, and bring Benson up. Well, again, a portion of Kara's contract would, would you don't want to you don't want to be paying too many players big uh, money that, in the minors that aren't actually on 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 your roster. But I mean, we're getting questions now. The question of well, Yamamoto's fitting in so well. Is it time to bring bring Benson up? Maybe he's got ten points in his last seven. Probably not if they continue winning a little bit. And the thing is, I don't know if you want Benson coming. He says Kara. Well, that means you're playing Benson on your fourth line. I don't know if that's well. 
I mean, you're not putting him in your top six because you're not putting him ahead of Neil and yeah, Cassian right would now. You, would you demote Neil, for example, to make uh, room for probably not? No, no, not right now. I, I don't think so. So you know, to bring Benson out to play on your fourth line to get, I don't know what, nine minutes or whatever it is. Well, Nygaard tonight played 745. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, where'd you put Benson on the third line? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, but the, the third and fourth lines aren't offensive lines for the Edmonton Oilers. So, I... I don't think you're going to see Benson anytime soon unless someone in your top six goes down. The reason that it's worked for Yamamoto, he's come up and been put into a position where he can succeed. Yamamoto on the fourth line makes no sense. Yamamoto right. playing with Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins does. Oilers win it 4-1. Kyler Yamamoto's contribution to the Oilers will be our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Com. All right, we will call a quick timeout. We got Jim and Jared on the phone lines to get us going, 780-496-0063. We better hear from Scott from Boston today. He was allegedly going to this game as an Oilers fan, uh, so hopefully he'll call us before before we uh, sign off. We're also looking for someone to finish the play. Again, 780-496-0063, overtime open line, courtesy Heartland Ford. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Marchand centers redirected and Smith kept it out. It went off Nurse and almost in, but Mike Smith has made some acrobatic saves on this trip already. Yeah, really good third, well, good game by Smith, but especially the third period. That's his save of the game, courtesy Jiffy Lube, B-Wise, Winterize. Smith ups his record to 8-9-3 and three on the season. Must be a relief for him. First win since November the 23rd. 35 saves, 21 of them in the third period. Oilers get a 4-1 victory this afternoon over the Bruins. Just some other stats notes we go over. Clefbaum plays 28-22. Caleb Jones only eight minutes. I mean, the Oilers have basically been rolling with uh, with 5D. Even Chris Russell only played 12 minutes tonight. So I think they're uh, hoping to get Matt Benning back as soon as possible. He is pretty close to playing. Marchand, 22.06 for the Bruins. Did he play more than any defenseman even? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, oh, 23 Krug, minutes. Krug, Krug played 23.05. Uh, McDavid played 19.56. As Rob mentioned earlier, Leon Dreisaitl played 22.54, had a goal and an assist, plus two, 68% in the faceoff circle. Uh, Pasternak, five shots on goal, two others wide, two others blocked. He was uh, firing away today. McDavid had four shots on goal, a couple other attempts that didn't get through as uh, the Oilers win 4-1 over the Boston Bruins. 780-496-0063. We have Jim on the line. Go ahead, Jim. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, let's start some controversy. After all, it's only uh, January 4th. Um, so let's look at some of the players I think that we need to move simply because we cannot sign them or should not sign them because of the money they want. I would be looking at Nurse and I'd be looking at uh, on the Nuge. I think if you packaged them, you would get what we need. I simply cannot see the Oilers even making any attempt or to sign, especially Nurse. And if you look at Nuge, he's going to at least get a 15% increase, which will bring him up to $7 million. We don't have the money, guys. What do you think? Is Nuge's uh, yeah, contract up? No, Nuge no. has one more. Yeah, so Nuge this. has another, yep. so they don't have to re-sign him yet. The problem is if you get rid of Nurse and Nuge, what are you looking for? Because if you get rid of Nurse, you, you're you're missing a left-handed shot defenseman. Yeah, but I, but he's got he's going to be wanting to re-sign at the end of the year. Yep. Oh, well, he I has to. Yeah, well, he's got yeah, no contract. He has to. Yeah. So I guarantee he'll want at least $8 million. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't, 
so I don't think you can have, unless you want to get into the Chicago series or what they've done, where you pay a whole bunch of players over $8 million and then you got little little left for everybody else. I just, we got to draw the line somewhere, and I think we've got some good defensemen coming up. I just think that if we're going to look for players that could help this team, I think if you package those two, and even with a year left on Nuge's contract, it'll, it'll, I think it'll help. Well, them. the pa- thing is packaging, I mean, Nurse has only got, I mean, he doesn't have a contract for next year. So right. packaging them, I mean, you could, you could trade his rights. You could obviously. trade his rights, but I don't yeah. know if his rights are worth as much. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, yeah, they don't have a left-handed defenseman that does what Nurse does. Well, I know, but we're not going to be able to afford him, so we could just let him go for nothing. Well, they can't. They, they no, can't. No, he won't no, go no. for nothing because he's he's a restricted free agent. The other still own him, so he can't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you tell me, team out there that's not going to offer more than what the Oilers will. Well, they, they, they can't, other than if they well, do an offer sheet. sheet. An offer sheet. sheet. Well, that's yeah. good. Well, good, an offer sheet, yeah. and then you get a bunch of draft picks for him. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, because I just don't think that they can afford to pay him uh, the money that he wants and then have a whole bunch of players making over $8 million. But the yeah. thing is, they, the, the Oilers own, they own – like, he can't go anywhere. Like, the, he's, he's, he's a restricted free agent, so that means the only thing that could happen is an offer sheet for him. And then you get a right. whole bunch of first-round draft picks for him, which might turn out better for you anyways. But So you don't have to trade him thinking that you're going to lose him for nothing or a team's going to pay more because no other team can offer him more unless they're giving up uh, the offer sheet. And they're, they're, we're talking lots of first-round draft picks when you start getting up to $8 million. Yeah, I think – I mean, it's going to be – I don't want to get too much into the off-season talk yet, but, you know, what, what's going to happen with Chris Russell? What, what might happen with Adam Larson? I mean, if they want a spot open for – uh, Bouchard, Bouchard. Or somebody like yeah. that. I mean, what, yep. could could I, I would think the moves you're talking about would most likely be made at or around the draft, though. It won't, yeah, it won't happen during the season. No, yeah. and if the Oilers okay. traded Nugent Hopkins, that would be a significant trade, and a lot of a lot of people would be unhappy. Well, the problem is if you well, again, yeah, but we can't we can't afford to pay all these guys. You got to draw the line. Yeah, but then you got to have people to fill in those spots. Yeah, well, well, I think there's people out there. Well, I do. Yeah, the, the, to fill think... to fill that spot, you're gonna have to pay someone seven, eight million to <laughs> fill that spot. Well, I, I don't know if you can or not, but I'm just saying we can't. I mean, how many player? How much money do we have to pay everybody eight million? We we have a cap, and and even if it increases next year, it's not going to make that much difference where you can make uh, any any sufficient moves or, or to keep these guys. Well, the problem I is the think... o- the problem is the others don't have depth, and we've seen that this year. That right. if the, if when they split up, if they were to split up Connor and Le- uh, and Leon and not have a Nugent Hopkins, you'd have no second line again. All right, we got to go to the news here. More post game reaction. More of your calls coming up. Oilers win four one in Boston overtime open line courtesy Heartland Ford. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, it's a 4-1 win for the Edmonton Oilers over the Boston Bruins. Pasternak, an early power play goal for Boston. They led 1-0 after one. A Jake DeBrus giveaway set up Gaetan Haas alone in front for the Oilers. That tied it 7:41 into the second period. Darnell Nurse, a bad angle floater, gets by Halak with 6.3 seconds left in the second period. McDavid scores on a breakaway 148 into the third. Dreisaitl gets an empty netter with nine seconds left. Mike Smith, an excellent game in net for Edmonton. That adds up to the 4-1 victory. We'll go back to the phone lines in a second, but right now back to Boston. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Beating hard for the 60 minutes and try to build on some of the, you know, I think solid team things that we're doing right now and uh, capitalize on a couple of chances and, and 
I thought we, you know, the compete was there for the whole 60 minutes, and Schmidty was excellent in goal, and we got ourselves some two points. Just maybe another comment on, on Mike Smith. Obviously, he's been very critical of his play. And How, how much of a, a boost is that for your club, knowing that he's kind of got his mojo back? Well, he's played those two games around the trip. He's played very well. You know, Swartzy and him have done a lot of work together, and uh, um, so hopefully, you know, his game keeps coming. But that's, you, know, you come into a place like this, uh, you need your goaltender to be really solid. He was solid in the net. He moved the puck very well, so really good to, uh, really good performance by him, and and uh, we've given Koski a couple of days off now too, so they both uh, hopefully both get them feeling good about themselves again. Looked like that dry sidle unit played a lot against Bergeron. How where did you like their game? Uh, they're real solid. You know, it's uh, it's a line that uh, Yamo's come in and just he's added some of that tenacity. Nuge is a really smart player, and, and dry sidle we want to get him up and skating in that middle lane. When he can control the middle of the ice, those other guys are pretty good with him. So that's um, that's two games in a row now. That line's been really good for us, so hopefully they can continue that in Toronto. Yeah, had an eventful game. Uh, I mean, he took the early penalty, scored the empty netter, he ran into a referee, but he was he was going hard all night. <laughs> that's, that's, I like Leo when he's rambunctious. That's a good thing, you know, but uh, he's, um, you know, we've been, Leo's been, uh, you know, had a tough month there, and the, but now he's he's really taken the step steps to build his game back up again. And uh, you know, I give him credit. He's he's trying to do the right thing all the time. He's trying to be in defensive position, trying to take care of the puck a little more. So there's things that he's trying to do in his game that are really trying to move it forward. And I think we're seeing the results of that now. Four of the league's top five point scorers playing this game. From a competition standpoint, how important is it to have these kind of tests? Well, Boston's a good team. You know, they're one of the better teams in the East, so it's we're trying to... Uh, we started out real well. We come... December wasn't very good for us, but now we're trying to get our game back in order. So when you come in and play a good road game here, beat a good team in Boston, it can help your team's confidence. So hopefully we uh, see that going forward. Uh, we've got three out of four points on a tough road trip, so we've got to continue to keep playing the way we have and see if we can get the same results. Agreed with you guys this season. I mean, it's how the year started. You had that, that big Eastern trip. Yeah, we talked about that before this trip and winning the one game at home before we go on the road trip. It sets up similar as the start of the year when we uh, we played very well. So hopefully uh, those fortunes can be uh, attained again. All right, head coach Dave Tippett as the Edmonton Oilers win 4-1 in Boston. We'll check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. San Jose wins 3-2 in Columbus. Buffalo wins at home 3-2 against the Panthers. In overtime, the Jets and the Wild are tied 2-2. And late in the first period, St. Louis with a 2-0 lead on the Golden Knights. Petrangelo and Schwartz have the goals in that game. The uh, NFL playoffs are underway. Just a minute in, no score between Buffalo and Houston. And, Rob. Mm-hmm, I'm ready. Your tournament, you brought home a nice medal from. I uh, did. Three or four years ago. The world. Three or four years ago. Going, well, I'm rounding off. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a Canada Russia gold medal game. Canada pounding Finland 5 nothing. Russia beating the Swedes 5-4 in overtime. I mean, the, who would have thought... Uh, a week ago when Canada lost 6 nothing to the Russians that 7-8 days later they'd have a chance of retribution and get to play the Russians for the gold medal. Everyone countered the, the Canadians' chances as over at that point. Their star player was injured. They just got beat up in every aspect of the game. And here we are, 24 hours away for the Canadians have a chance to uh, get revenge against the Russian team and come home with a gold medal. So good luck Canada tomorrow.
All right, 780-496-0063. We have Jared standing by. Jared, go ahead. Yeah, I just had a comment on Darnell Nelson, a lot of the people that are saying that maybe the Oilers shouldn't sign him. And I see his real value is, is the fact that if somebody gets hurt, he can play 30 minutes a game. He can go up into the top-pairing defenseman. And the thing is, he maybe doesn't have the greatest skill or scoring touch, but he has incredible stamina. He plays it tough. And I think that he will continue to develop as a defenseman. And I think there's a lot of teams that would like to have him. And the only other thing I'd like to say is I think down the stretch that Mike Smith is going to be one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest keys for the Oilers, not only because of the fact he has to give them good starts, but I do think that last year when Koskinen was struggling, part of it was the fatigue, but I think a lot of it was as soon as he felt that pressure, of being the number one guy, I think that maybe he had a little bit of trouble handling it. And I think the other success Koskinen's and the, the goaltending success was because both of them were playing well, that maybe Koskinen doesn't feel as much pressure. And just one a kind of unusual stat that I didn't know that I found out. You know who the winningest goalie in the 1980s was? Nope. Oh, uh can I, okay, so you were surprised by it. So I was, I was, I was blown away. I would never okay. would have believed it. I'm going to guess Pete Peters. Mike Liute. Oh, that would have been my second guess. That yeah. wouldn't have been a guess at all for me, but that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. it's back to your other point. So uh, it's funny. Darnell Nurse is uh, one of those guys that people absolutely love him or people have been trying to run him out of town for a number of years on our show here. Uh, Darnell Nurse, I, I'm not sure... I'm not sure if his high side of what he's capable or his ceiling is what everyone had expected. I don't think you see the offensive upside that many had hoped that he'd have. What he does have, he's got a physicality about him, uh, gamesmanship. Uh, he, he's, I'm, I think he's more of a, a defensive-type defenseman than he is as the, what people had hoped maybe he'd bring a little bit of offense. Uh, yeah, I agree that $8 million, that's a lot of money to pay him. I, I think that the Oilers would be much more comfortable in around six. But the one thing, that you, if if you move a player like Darnell Nurse, you need someone to fill that spot. And right now the Oilers don't have that. Yeah. They just don't. The players they have coming up are uh, like a Broberg or, or a Bouchard, very gifted offensive hockey players, more skill-orientated. So I, I think my guess is the Oilers are going to try to re-sign him. And the other one about Mike Smith, um, if Mike Smith plays like he did the last two games, Mike Smith's going to get more starts. And he becomes valuable for the Oilers because now he, the Oilers can play both goaltenders, which they have not been able to do for the last month and a bit because Mike Smith had struggled. Jared, do you have the football game on? Uh, no, I don't. You're going, I, to enjoy, you're going to enjoy the first touchdown. Make sure you watch the highlights later, okay? Okay, I just got one little question for Rob. When a player's injured, like when Sidney Crosby is injured, does he travel with the team, or does he just stay uh, back in Pittsburgh? Uh, normally, a, an injured player doesn't travel unless during that road trip they think he can get into quality practices. If they, if say they go on a, a seven-day trip and they've got three practices on that trip, then a player tends to come on those so he can get in quality ice time instead of just skating by himself. But normally... A player that's injured stays. So I'm like, right now, Matt Benning hasn't joined the team yet. Sidney Crosby hadn't joined the team yet until now he's starting to skate with them. So normally a, an injured player doesn't travel because all of the, the team's doctors, their physical therapists, all of those are back in their home city, and they want to make sure that their player is getting the best treatment possible to get them back quicker. 4-1, the Oilers win it in Boston. Jared, good call. Thanks. The touchdown I'm referencing, Buffalo takes... Uh 
the first pie out of the oven, to steal Morley Scott's phrase about the first touchdown of the game, and it is a touchdown reception mm-hmm. by their quarterback, Josh Allen. Did the uh, little flip back to receiver John Brown. Allen sneaks out to the left side of the formation, catches a 16-yard touchdown pass. And a lot of uh, well, Bills fans in this part of the world, so they are up 7-0. Well, the, the one thing is they really, fil- they really fooled Houston on it because the pass, you could have thrown a pass better than the, the receiver oh, that goodness. threw it. It was wobbling. It was doing three, 360s the wrong way, but it stayed up there forever. But there was no defensive player anywhere near Allen is I can I bet he he's too thinking okay hurry up ball hurry up ball because well, somebody's coming on the goal line he took a pretty big hit oh he got hammered eventually it's because the pass uh, took I so long to get me. there but uh, a trick play to start off the first football playoff game of the season all right we got Ron on the line Ron did you have a comment or just want to finish the play I was finished the play all right you already have up to eight days parking at Jet Set Parking, the best price on Edmonton Airport parking. Book online, jetsetparking.com. Self-park as low as $5.98 per day with the promo code CHED. Marchand weaves his way in, high slot, dishes, Pasternak, fires, and a save. No, it trickled through. Or did it? Did Smith keep it out? All right, Ron, did you watch the game? Yes, I did. That was a save. Okay, absolutely was a save. You win, buddy. Hang on the line, okay? Thank you. All right, so his name's going into the grand prize draw for one hour at Fast Track Indoor Karting, valued at 1000 bucks. Safe adrenaline pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. Mike Smith, excellent first win since November the 23rd. Back to Boston. Here's Smith. It's off the back a little bit. Oh, a little bit. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since... Uh, me personally was in for a win, so obviously you want to contribute to to the team's success, and that was just a, a great team effort by everyone. Everyone played a big part in that game, and that's what we're going to need to, you know, to get wins down the stretch here. It may have been your your first win in a while, but it seemed like your your performance was really leading up to this one. You've had a great performance a couple nights ago, and then tonight you just look rock solid back there. Yeah, I mean the consistency probably hasn't been uh, as as well as it needs to be lately out of my game, but I felt like it's been building the last three or four starts, and uh, wasn't getting the results because of it. But um, feel like my game was coming coming back, confidence were getting back to where I was feeling comfortable in the net again, and and uh, you know tonight I was seeing it real well. And like I said, the guys in front of me did a tremendous job tonight. Our D were outstanding in front, you know, boxing guys out and let me see most pucks and not too many second opportunities. So I mean, that's what's going to take. Like I said, to to uh, to get wins down the stretch here. From a team perspective, you guys have been playing some okay, but just not getting a lot of results. Just the impact that it's you know coming in here and beating a good team. You know what? We've done a lot of good things. It's just we haven't done it for. The whole game, and and we talked about that before the game, having a playing a full 60 minutes against a really good hockey team, and kind of give give ourselves a little bit of a measuring stick against a good a good team. So I think we we got that out of our team tonight. We got a full 60 minutes. We didn't panic when we got behind. We played real solid, pushed for that third one when we were ahead, and uh, you know that's what it's going to take. This is how this season kind of started with that five-game Eastern road trip where you guys really got the mojo going. Do you see any sort of similarities or parallels that you can draw? Yeah, I mean, important points right now. So I think it's, uh, you know, didn't do too well at the homestand there. So we wanted to get back on the road and, and, you know, have a real solid trip here against some good hockey teams and get our mojo going. You know what I mean? We've been talking a lot about what other teams are doing, but we need to worry about what we're doing. And tonight we played a full 60 and got rewarded because of it. James Neal said he wanted to start uh, the calendar year the way you guys started the season as a whole. Now, what can a win like this against a top team in a very tough, tough building 
do for you guys? Yeah, on big this boost road? for confidence, I think. I think it's, uh, like you said, you beat a good team like this in their own building. You know, we, we need to grow or grow a game in a, in a game like this. So I think uh, a lot of things done well. Um, full team effort. You know, every player um, played a big part in this game, and that's what we're going to need. We're going to need everybody down the stretch here. And, and uh, obviously a big two points tonight, and we'll move on. That is Mike Smith, the first star this afternoon with 35 saves. Oilers win 4-1 in Boston. So Edmonton's record 22-17-5 on the season. Now, obviously, there's still more games to come today, but for the time being, they are third in the Pacific Division, two, uh, three points behind first place Vegas, one point behind second place Arizona, and uh, a point ahead of Vancouver, two points ahead of Calgary. So still very tight, but another... Two points banked. That's all you could hope for today. Well, it, it, it's amazing what a small winning streak can do in the standings for for any of the teams in the the Western Conference. Separate themselves just a little bit, as well as what a little bit of a losing streak could do. Take you fall right out of it because they seem to be play, every night. There seems to be teams playing each other. One of them's getting points, and so the others got to just put together a little stretch. I know that there was a lot of people worried coming into this five-game road trip when you look at the teams that they're playing against. But uh, despite a little bit of a collapse against Buffalo, they still now have got three out of four points on the road, five out of six points in their last three games, uh, and have an opportunity here to make something special happen on this road trip. The last time the Oilers went on a five-game road trip, everybody was scared it could be the end of their season, and they excelled. So I think that it seems like whenever the Oilers have the most doubters on them, is when they seem to bring it, bring out the best in them. Hopefully that'll carry over into Toronto. All right, we'll get to Brandon on the phone line in a second here. we got to call a quick timeout. Edmonton wins at 4-1 in Boston. Overtime open line, courtesy Heartland Ford. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Settle taps it off the boards to himself. He'll race in, shoot, and score. It's an empty netter for Leon Dreisaitl. A rare empty netter for the Oilers. Well, not recently. They have two in their last three games, only after having only one in the first half of the season. That clinched it for Edmonton tonight, a 4-1 win over the Boston Bruins. So Boston's record goes to 24-8-11. At home, they're 14-2-9. We were talking about that pregame that Boston just hasn't been good in games tied after 60 minutes. The only other team to beat them in regulation time in Boston this season, the Colorado Avalanche. 780-496-0063. We have Brandon on line three. Brandon, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. So just um, wondering what's going on with in terms of uh, officiating, because I know last game people were upset about Jack Eichel's penalty shot in overtime, 50-50. But why wasn't there a penalty shot today when Krug closed his hand on the puck in the crease when he made that save I'm in so, like the second period? I'm so glad you called in because I wanted to get to that. And I have... Do you, Brandon, do you want to be put on hold or do you want to keep talking? No, no, that's all I had for you guys. Okay, no, I'm, I'm glad you called. So I actually have a paper copy of the rule book, Rob, but I always just look it up online. Uh, no defending player except the goalie will be permitted to fall on the puck, hold the puck, pick up the puck, or gather the puck into the body or hands when the puck is in the goal crease. Then there's a whole bunch of clarification. Mm-hmm. I, I would call what he did holding the puck. Like, when I saw the replay, I thought it should have been a penalty shot. See, so I thought it was a penalty shot, too, for the simple thing is, I always was under the belief that you couldn't put your hand 
on top on of the top puck of the in puck. the crease. That, that's I, I thought that was the rule. I know that you could push the puck or direct the puck with your hand, but I never thought you could put your hand on it, which is weird because in the rule book it doesn't specifically say that, which would be very simple to say. If you said you cannot put your hand on top of the puck, then that would clarify everything. But it says corral it or or pull it into your body, and he didn't do those things. He simply he put his hand on top, and then he pushed it out. So I... To me, I thought it was a penalty shot. Then after hearing the rule, then I'm like, well, actually, I don't know if it's a penalty shot now because it doesn't say you can't put your hand on it. See, I, I, my interpretation would be that would, in my mind, that's holding the puck because you've, and if he doesn't do that, it might have trickled in. I mean, that puck was moving. He had to. Yeah, but he it, to did he hold it or did he stop it? Well, I'm saying <laughs> yeah. in my definition, that would be holding it because he put his hand. I'm going to bring Brandon back in. Brandon, what do you think? I mean, if the rules say you can't put your hand on the puck in the crease, it seems to me to uh, should be a penalty shot. I'm not but, trying to be a biased Oilers fan. But the, no, yeah, no, 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 I understand I that too. But I, I always was under the belief, and this is throughout my entire career, and I've been around hockey forever, that I always thought if you put your hand on the puck, it was a penalty right, shot. Now, I don't know if this... That's what I'm saying, because in my mind, that is holding the puck. But why wouldn't they say the that, though? Said. Why wouldn't they say put your hand on because instead holding of holding? Puck because holding the puck, things. to me, is if you have your whole hand grasping it. Because <laughs> if you hold something, you're grasping it. Brandon, are you glad you called in with us now? Yeah, this is a great discussion. <laughs> yeah, but I, honestly, I to me, I don't understand why in the rule book, it, and, and the referee obviously explained it. It would have been nice if someone would have asked Dave Tippett afterwards, because I'm sure the Oilers would have asked for an exclamation. Well, the players uh, said something, because they yeah. saw it. So, but no one ever asked to find out what the ref said to them, right. whether the ref saw it or not. I mean, it was pretty blatant. It was it was no, obvious what he did. The ref says, I'm slightly behind the goal the goal line, and there's yeah. the players between me. But I want to know if the ref saw him put his yeah, hand on it, to, to, to find out if the ref, how they interpret that rule. Because a simple way of clarifying is hand on puck means penalty shot. Yeah. And it is doesn't that say that. Do Brandon? Yeah, that makes sense to me. So, all right. Thanks, but, buddy. Enjoy the day. Thanks. But the thing was, there wasn't a huge argument afterwards about it, which I would have thought more so would have happened. So, I, I again, I I was under the, imp- the impression that there was a different rule in place. And I don't know if this is different than what it was when I was playing hockey, because it seems it was a long well, time you ago I get played. The rule book online when you played. <laughs> well, actually, when, while I was playing hockey, uh, the internet and computers were kind of invented. I remember getting you my first watch computer. Your highlights. That's why they invented. <laughs> Martin is on line one. Go ahead, Martin. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Thanks for taking my call. Now I know this is probably going to be a real unpopular conversation, but is there any validity to dealing Nurse right now, having the peak value that he has with so many defensemen, quality defensemen coming up in the organization? Personally, I don't think so. I, I don't think so either. But the problem is they have defensemen are coming up. They got some really good young players coming up. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. of Swedes or a Swede. They got the the young Bouchard. The right hand. Well, he's a def- is Roberg a right-handed defenseman as well? I believe. Yeah, I believe he is. Yeah, yeah. So both of them are right-handed defensemen coming up that are more on the skill side. They don't have anyone coming up. No one in the minors that plays like Nurse, uh, a, physic- a physical type of game. Uh, who would you rather have? Broberg's left. He shoots. Oh, he is left. Okay, yeah. but he's more oh. of a. So I'm not sure. Uh, honestly, and Broberg's probably a year or two away at least. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think we, they can realistically hope. Bouchard, Bouchard plays next that's year. That's That's why I'm wondering, Martin. Do they buy out Russell and or trade Larson to clear out that space for a guy on the right side? I think they're well, keeping Nurse. I do. Yeah, yeah, and I do too. I, I mean, I think so, but it's the, the what's he going to command for a contract at the end of the year, right? That's what we're looking at. And if you can fill, if you can get 
you know, a couple of decent wingers for the price that Darnell would command, then it seems like you're filling more of a need as far as the Oilers' team as a whole. Well, okay, that's a good point. The Oilers have holes, and obviously the biggest ones are are goal-scoring wingers. I think that anybody, the day that Wayne Gretzky got traded, anybody is available for the right price. Now I wouldn't. I wouldn't all of a sudden say, okay, I'm trading Darnell Nurse. But if someone came and said, you know what, we've got these two goal scorers. We got a goal scoring winger. We got a defensive checking centerman that we really can't do. Maybe Nurse will be someone that could fill the void for them. But I wouldn't. I don't think they're going to look for it. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I just yeah. think yeah, there's got to be. You know, I know that the numbers with Truba and Morrissey, Nurse does a lot of things well. I don't think he's as good all around as those as those two players. So I think you try to get him for a number that's that's manageable and allows you to keep some other good players. So, too. in your guys' opinion, you guys obviously watch it or follow the Oilers closer than I do, is $7 million, that's the number I've been hearing, is that what the Oilers are looking at? To me, I, that seems like a little bit much. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I'd be happy if it were around 6 I agree. I agree with three. I think 6 is the most. I mean, Morrissey makes 6 in, in Winnipeg, and I honestly I think Morrissey gives you more. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. And, and don't get me wrong. I love Darnell Nurse. I love the physical presence that he brings especially after getting rid of, of Lou Cheechum and Cassian or, or a couple of guys you don't mess with. But, you know, looking at the price point and looking at the Oilers' needs, I know like, it seems like he's got a lot of value and you may be able to get stuff for him right now. Great points. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, great All points. Right. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate hey, it. Thanks for the call, guys. Take care. All right, we got to run. Oilers win at 4-1 over the Boston Bruins. You can get more on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Next broadcast is Monday. 3.30 face-off show, game at 5. Oilers take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Edmonton's record now 22-17-5 and five on the season. World Junior gold tomorrow. Canada against Russia. Enjoy that one. Enjoy the NFL playoffs or whatever you like to view over the weekend. Thanks to Andrew Quinnell, our studio producer this afternoon. Oilers hockey is presented by World of Spas. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Overtime Open Line presented by Heartland Ford. 4-1, Edmonton takes it. Big game by Mike Smith.